book of Numbers is about a people coming apart in the wilderness. Whatever bonds seem to be holding them together, Moshe's leadership, family relationships and ties, addressing the immediate needs of survival, the collective experiences of hardship, hearing the inspired and inspiring plan for a new society that they'll be building together, or the elaborate project of building the Mishkan, the, the temple tabernacle just from scratch. All are now restrained or over. How is it that none of these has succeeded in creating lasting bonds for the future? They've only had short-term effects. That's the puzzle at the heart of the book of Numbers, and there are no easy solutions. The word religion actually means the bonds that bond people together, that hold people together. Intro to religion students usually assume that belief in God is the bond that holds people together, but you and I know that's an assumption of those who actually don't experience community. Even God oversimplifies. God's picture of bonding is pretty clear in the Torah. God dwells among the Israelites, even smells the reach nichoach, the sweet savor of it, when we are working collectively in harmony, in line with divine purposes. But the book of Numbers shows that those purposes are not enough to create that collective working together, something we see in our country today. The people have to find their way to building those bonds. If we look back at the last three parshiot, we see a powerful common denominator to the fracturing of the community that leads to disaster. A key moment in the Korach rebellion is when Datan and Aviram refuse Moshe's invitation to meet with them in his tent, face to face, just to talk about their feelings and concerns. In the Babylonian Talmud in Masachet Sanhedrin, the rabbis go on at great length about this part of the Torah. And they say that it teaches that we are obligated to repair a dispute. The word for dispute, reeve, as the rabbis refer to the place of merivah, the place of quarrel, looks a lot like the word rav, which stands in the accusation that Korach makes to Moses when Moses when says, rav lachem, you're getting too much. It means much. So rav lachem is you're getting too much privilege. You're getting too much out of this arrangement. And actually, Moses goes back and says, you've gone too far. Rav lachem to you. You've gone too much. Rav sounds much, sounds a lot like the word reeve, meaning quarrel or dispute. And so the Talmud says we are required to come together in person to try to solve our disputes. Disputes for justice, like Salafakad's daughters, or disputes for enlightenment and direction, like rabbinic discussions, must take place in the context of communication and trust. We are obligated to seek the closeness of communication and trust to create the bonds that will last. Salafakad's daughter spoke with Moses in his tent of meeting. Hillel and Shammai were speaking at each other's houses even when, while they were eating, even when they disagreed about Kashrut. But Zatan and Aviram won't go. He'll just outwit us. He'll just try to fool us, they say. That's where the bond would have gotten built. The same thing happened last week with the spies. Their main sin was not reporting their feelings that they'd be swallowed up in the land. They're entitled to their views and feelings. It's that they relayed those feelings publicly rather than in Moses' tent. And go back one week further. I gave an extensive sermon on Miriam's plea for Moses to honor his commitments to his wife. 
but I never answered the simple question of why she suffered God's punishment for her valid plea for justice. And the simple answer is that it's the same pattern. She made her case in public rather than going to Moses' tent to talk about it with him in person. Three partiot of rebellion, fractured leadership, family bonds loosening, the fledgling new community falling apart. And we see now the one common denominator. What I would like to tell the intro to religion student who thinks the bonds of community, religio, is faith in God, is that it's not faith in God, but faith in each other. The word emuna means trust. It's the building of the trust with one another. I would tell that person that the world is held together by a combination of emuna, of trust, of being able to predict positively that your vulnerability will be cared for, and communication. Those two are interconnected, two sides of the same coin always. The way I learned to trust is built by communicating disagreement and learning that this is the safe thing to do, that one doesn't give up on another when doing so. Real communication has to include the conveying of real fears, of really disagreeing, of feeling hurt and let down, and of giving over responsibility to an other. It's knowing what to do with our negative feelings when we have them which we see in all the partial. Do we let them fester? Do we let them become anger? Do we just say, you know, I'm just gonna rely on myself or do it myself? Do we let sadness depend, descend upon us? Do we feel this person is not what I need or was hoping for? And do we have guilt about that? You know, we feel like I'm supposed to like them. They're my sibling, they're my leader, they're my rabbi. And I don't. What can we do with those feelings? So we have the three options. We can keep them inside. We can communicate them to a third party. Or we can risk communicating them to the person directly in the tent of meeting. And that's risky because you're risking the relationship. They might laugh at you, attack you. They might well exploit an emotional vulnerability that they know about you because they know you. You might lose more of yourself by risking that than you already have by feeling that. Miriam might lose what little status she has left now that Moses and Aaron have built and run the priesthood. Datan and Aviram might lose what's left of their self-image, that of entitled leaders. The tribal leaders who acted as spies might lose their own sense of, I don't know, deserving their status or lose their own legacy if they lead their people into a land and they're all slaughtered. How will they be remembered as leaders? But what if it's community that is made by a bond of direct communication? What's, what if a synagogue is made on that? What if a family is made on that? What if friendship is made on that? And I look at this country, and you do too, and I know you know exactly what I'm saying. Can we feel that we can talk to someone who watches the other news channel? Can we talk to someone fed on lies? Like the spies in Korach, it's more comfortable to simply drum up frenzy among those who are already in my camp. Talk to Moses first? No, I don't, I don't want them to challenge my sources. And I know that their sources, I, I don't want to get tripped up by their very, very strange logic. Tani and Aviram say they're sure they'll be fooled by Moses if they share what they think. You know, I got an email with a link to, um, to Fox News and a Fox News story. And they said, you probably won't read it. Of course I read it. You want me to read a story? I'll read it. I'm not threatened by that. I want to know what you're reading. 
I, I don't have a fear that I'm going to get fooled. I'm able to bring my critical thinking to Fox. I'm able to bring my critical thinking to CNN. And I'm able to bring my critical thinking to the Torah. So I feel okay about trying to build a face-to-face -face relationship with people who want to talk about these things. And I worry that right now we're living in isolation and it's making it worse. And I especially worry about young people. I've been reflecting on what it means to be in high school or in college. And we've watched or heard about the graduations. We consider moving to a time of a lot of online learning. And it's possible that our institutions could potentially change fundamentally. We've already been told that we, the, the, the generations around us, the younger generations are the iPod generations. They get their religion like they get their music, a la carte and free and all on their own time and the way they like it and from the sources they like it and wherever they happen to be taking a walk. And we've been told that if we don't adapt, we'll close. And so we're told that we better get in line with the non-face-to-face -face way of being. And I look at the young people today who are now having to socially isolate and almost being forced not to have face-to-face -face communication, but to be doing it through a phone. Bob Dylan gives rare interviews, but um, he said a couple weeks ago, when you see somebody that is 10 years old, they're going to be in control in 20 or 30 years, and they won't have a clue about the world we knew. Young people who are in their teens now have no memory lane to remember. So it's probably best to understand their mindset as soon as possible, because that's going to be the reality. So what's it like when you post to Instagram or a group chat something you feel or think, and you don't know whether you'll be hearted or whether you'll be clobbered? I feel like in this weird place, the community, what does it mean to have friends today? And I know what for me it means to have friends, which is I think of the clubhouse in my backyard growing up. I think of conversations on the, the hallway floor of my dorm. Uh, you know, I, I, and, I, and I think of people who love me and care about me, who knew enough to tell me, you know, maybe you can think about that a little differently, Nadav. But doing it from like the, the, the strange chairs we had because we could get them at Pier One for 20 bucks. And they'd be staring at me and they would give me feedback directly. I don't know what it's like to be a young person today. And you reveal something personal about yourself through a group chat, and you don't know what they're gonna say back. The group that should be my best friends is a group of rabbis who think a lot like myself. And yet I think it's the least safe place that I exist. And every single day I think of unsubscribing from this group, but I can't mentally get my head around it. How can I unsubscribe from a, from a group of rabbis who think like I do? But it seems like everything I say gets clobbered, right? Someone said, is anyone doing a sermon on Miriam and race? And I said, and most people weren't. So I said, yeah, I did. And I can share it with the group. So I shared it with the group. And then it came back, I have a voice, so many references to the Talmud and the Midrash. You know what? I think it's a lot simpler to do what my husband did at his bar mitzvah when he just said, you know, Miriam said racist things and then was afflicted with white skin as a punishment. And everyone hearted that. And I was left out in the cold. I said last week, I said, I'm trying to figure out a way to use um, poetry of African-American poets to talk about Juneteenth. And they said, oh, Juneteenth. So you're going to appropriate Juneteenth. Who said it's your holiday? I was like, oh, sorry about that. I talked, someone asked, how is it that we can tell people that we should stand up, up for Black Lives Matter when there are issues with 
BDS or anti-Semitism. I said, look, I think that we just have to stand up and do it. And someone said to me, I wonder what you mean by we. Do you mean we people of privilege? You mean we white people? I invite you to spend 48 hours, Nadav, reflecting on that. My God, I'm an adult. I'm scared to post what I think with people who are supposed to be my friends. I don't know what it's like to be a young person and say something like, I don't know. I think I might like so-and-so in class. Maybe someone else comes back and says, that's so cisgender. You know, for me, I'm attracted to anyone I love. Love doesn't know any bounds. And then that gets hearted, 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 hearted. And this person's like, I'm not gonna say anything ever again. Or it could be the opposite. They could share questions about their own gender identity. They might share having a crush on someone of the same sex and they get clobbered for that. What would it be like for a teenager today over a group chat to share that they're considering spending the summer or a gap year in Israel? What would be the response electronically? Is friendship really possible to be built over electronic media? What is friendship to our young people today? What does it mean that we are raising people who don't have the face-to-face -face interaction and they feel that where's the friendship happening when they can be clobbered? Korach said, we're all holy. And I feel like when we're on online communication, it's we're all righteous. No one's more sanctimonious than someone responding to a group chat. And I worry how our young people will feel judged. I worry about women who feel like if they say something, they'll get clobbered. If someone shares something, they'll get canceled. We are surrounded by more talking than ever before. It's probably the, what we should call this age. We've gone from the industrial age into just the online talking age. Forget this, like Bob Dylan said, they don't know what we grew up with. They don't know what it meant to have four nightly news programs that you could watch and there was a trust built and you could talk about with other people. Now we don't talk to people who get their news in a way that doesn't necessarily make any sense or any sense to us. You know, there's no fact checking. We worry about our medical journals and others, whether the peer review is even happening. We don't know what it is that we can trust. People don't have the memories. They don't have the backyard tents. They don't have the talking together after school when they should be working on their homework or on a project together. We don't know where we're safe and we don't know where we can communicate our vulnerability and or allow the positions that we firmly hold to be heard by people that may have something to say, but they say it face to face. We always say the one special thing about Moses was that he had panim al panim. He had face-to-face -face communication with God. We need to make every possible opportunity for face-to-face -face communication because the foundation of trust and it is the foundation of community for our synagogue, for our social and family circles, and for the country. Shabbat Shalom.